Hello, everyone. It is Nicolette Richet here, host of the Eat Real to Heal podcast, coming to you live from the Whistler FM studios in beautiful Whistler, British Columbia, Canada. I'm really excited about today's podcast with Marina Giocas. Marina is a serial entrepreneur who comes from the world of international finance and intellectual property arbitrage. Now, I'm not even entirely sure what a day in the life of that business sector looks like, but you're going to hear her story and how she tells about the stress that she had in her life as a result of her work. Anyway, she became so stressed out with all of it, and it was truly a hurry up and wait kind of industry where she was constantly waiting on other people to get her job done. So... In the end, she ended up ditching the world of finance to start her own business, and she was backed up by two of the most recognizable names in the skincare business globally. So now she works with other budding entrepreneurs to help them set up and run their own empires. But one thing that is unique to Marina is that she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, some of you might be wondering how we select people to be on our Eat Real to Heal podcast. And it truly comes down to me either working with clients where they are taking their health into their own hands and I teach them how to use food as medicine to reverse their disease and then they go on to do that. And then of course we wanna share their story with other people because there is always more than one way to heal yourself from chronic disease. I choose to use food as metabolic um, medicine and food as nutrition. Now. There are so many other things that people can do as well, and I'm not one to say that energy medicine doesn't work or one to say that exercise can't change your lifestyle and you know prompt you to adopt better lifestyle habits that's going to contribute to the reversal of your disease. But at the end of the day, the one thing that I know and through the and the research has supported is that diet is responsible for 90% of that healing. So that's the approach that I take. But of course, there's the mental health aspect. Um, there's a mind-body connection. There's a getting rid of the stress. There's all of that, which we incorporate into the program that we teach our clients. But truly to be someone who's accepted onto our podcast, you have to be someone who went against the status quo and said, you know what, I'm going to do the research. I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to make decisions that's best for me and my family. And I am not just going to hand over myself to someone else who says that chemo surgery and radiation are the only options. Now we're not against chemo surgery or radiation. In fact, there's a time and a place for those things. But what we don't want people doing is when they literally just hand their bodies over to a specialist or a practitioner who says, you know what, it's the only way to do it because the science shows that it's not the only way to do it. And in fact, depending on your type of cancer and chronic disease, it could be more detrimental to go down that path without making the lifestyle changes around your diet, your stress, your exercise, and so on. So Marina is somebody who did take her health into her own hands. She did the research. And as a result, um, she is on the other side of cancer and she's learned so much along the way. And that's the pertinent part about this podcast is we want to teach you what that looks like to start educating yourself, start taking your health into your own hands and showing what that learning journey looks like, because it truly is all about that journey. So 
Marina has an incredible story of being diagnosed with breast cancer, of being maneuvered through the system to the point where she takes her health into her own hands. Check, 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 which is why we invited her here. And you'll learn what it's like to become a research, uh, a researcher and um, to dive deep into that research, which leads to discovering a whole other way of treating cancer, illness, and ultimately life. Her journey will resonate with so many of you wellness warriors out there in the world, and her story will also inspire you to sit up, take notice of all the possibilities that exist when it comes to being diagnosed with and treated for cancer. It's a story of not sitting sitting idly back, but instead of being a gladiator and a wellness warrior. So please welcome Marina Giocas. Such a pleasure to have her on the podcast. Hi, everyone. Such a pleasure to be here with Marina. We're going to jump right into this amazing interview that we have scheduled because I met Marina probably, I guess it was over a year ago, um, and she had been connected to me via Sherry Strong. We'll get into explaining who Sherry Strong is because I want Marina to, to tell the story. But such a fantastic story about taking your health into your own hands, about exploring all the options that are out there when it comes to treatment options, health options. Um, anytime we are diagnosed with something, it is a healing journey, starting from the very first symptom when we start to get curious about what's happening in our body, why our body is not behaving the way that we need it to. So whether it's showing um, elements of pain or distress or fatigue, or I mean, there's just so many different things that happen. And a lot of us ignore these symptoms. Um, and then we ignore them until the point where they actually um, almost feel like it becomes explosive. And then that's usually when we end up in the doctor's office or an emergency with um, a critical acute diagnosis. And this is exactly what happened with Marina. So Marina, can you take us back to um, much, much, much um, before the time when you're actually diagnosed with your estrogen positive invasive breast cancer? Because that is, so many women are faced with breast cancer in our society and it's the statistics show that we're not really getting a handle on it. More and more women are being diagnosed. Yes, they're being able to live longer um, with their um, diagnosis, with their illness, but they are not necessarily, um, we haven't seen the reduction in breast cancer rates that you know I think that the medical industry was hoping for and the pharmaceutical industry was hoping for. Now, you um, had shared a story with me about how quite a few years before you started experiencing symptoms. Can you take us back to what was that time in your life when your health started to decline? Probably. Hi, hi, Nick Letton. Thank you so much for having me on here. I, and you know what? I'm thrilled to share this because uh, the more information and the more this kind of sharing that we get out there, the more people will, I think, will be on the uptake of, of being in charge of their health or at least being a bit more aware and seeking more options because... I didn't have that. Uh, I didn't have anybody working with me in the very beginning. And it was a real voyage of discovery, as you say, because I was getting very ill. I was crashing in the afternoon. Um, I wasn't in control of that either. It would just be, I'd be, wake up in the morning and feel great. And then by one o'clock, I would say, well, I'm just going to lay down for half an hour. It could be four or six hours and I'd be totally out. Um, and what we've determined since is that what took my system down was uh, antibiotics that just came from normal usage that we're all exposed to through, for me, it was cataract surgery and two eyes, um, you know, in the a case of pneumonia. This was over an 18-month period, probably six incidents of 
using antibiotics, but nobody related it to me getting sick. So now all of a sudden my system's not working and I can't figure out why and I'm going to my doctor, getting blood tests, getting hormone tests, everything, and then escalated that through the medical system to an internal specialist who was fabulous because she got on it and she said what she needs to be is extremely paranoid about my health in the sense that we don't know where it's coming from so we have to search everywhere. So that was more, more meetings, more tests, more analyzing those test results and while we were just, you know, like partway through that process, because, uh, you know, it takes a long time to get into a specialist. It took me about four months to get to her. And so that journey was about four months. And that's when I got diagnosed with um, breast cancer. It was a bad, you know, like a bad mammogram, I'd call it, to start off with. And um, escalated from there and um, into a couple of, a lot of procedures. Okay, so let's go back even further. We'll jump to, forward to um, what happened when you got diagnosed and what that was like for you and you know, what was going through your brain at the time and um, what was going through your heart at the time. But let's go back. So when you were first experienced, you had cataract surgery first. So you had gone in for like a normal procedure and then that led to a dose of antibiotics. Yes. Oh, and actually, you know, when you have cataract surgery, there's a lot of antibiotics involved because the drops they put in your eyes that you put in three, four times a day for three months are antibiotics. So yeah. that, that, hits, that hits your entire system. Well, you do that with two eyes. And then if there's any issues, which I had an issue, so now they had the laser, now more antibiotics via your eyes. Um, and then now my, in my case, um, antibiotics are, they're not good for anybody, but they're really bad for me. So my system started crashing and I was doing probiotics and everything that I could think of to shore my body back up and it wasn't working. So I've got this, my system's weakened. And so I got pneumonia and you know, other things happen, right? So more antibiotics. So before you had the cataract surgery, were you experiencing those dips in the afternoon of fatigue or was that, that didn't happen until after the antibiotic usage? Absolutely not. No, I was totally healthy. I had tons of energy. I was like, I'd get up in the morning, I'd do the seawall at the, or go to the gym and at the end of the day I'd be the seawall and I worked all day and I'd be you know up and, and productive until you know 10 11 and then get up at 5 30 the next day again so no I'd never experienced that in my life and it was just the lack of energy was my trigger was what really pointed it out to me because that's so unlike me right so I love that you knew that that was unlike you because I think there's so many people in our society I mean millions of people who rely on coffee right coffee is the answer it's the way to wake up in the morning it's the way to get through that one o'clock two o'clock dip in the afternoon it's the way to you know and then we come home and then we need to come down so we have a glass of wine and you know but a lot of people are continuously suppressing the symptoms whereas you were very hyper aware that there was a significant difference and that you know you knew that those dips in the afternoon weren't normal so um, you know, one of the things that when we do podcasts with people and when we bring them on, we bring them on because I truly feel and I truly know that they are healing heroes. It's the people who pay attention oh. to their symptoms. And um, we often say, don't shoot the messenger. So, you know, taking that cup of coffee in the afternoon um, to pick yourself back up when you're having that energy dip, it's like shooting the messenger. Your body is trying to tell you, hey, I'm tired for a reason. So whether it needs to go into cellular regeneration, so it needs a rest, it needs a nap, whether your brain is fatigued and maybe it needs sugar, but not sugar in the form of refined sugar, but maybe even just some fruit instead of a muffin, which has so much processed refined sugar, maybe even, you know, vegetables, which have so many oxidating, um, 
nutrients, they bring oxygen to the brain, um, they bring fuel to the brain and light you up um, even better than what a cup of coffee would do. So these healing heroes are people who recognize they have symptoms, they don't shoot the messenger, they go up and then they seek the help that they need to get. So here you are. Um, and have, did you ever listen to um, Dr. Zach Bush's podcast on Rich Roll? Are you familiar with it? No, I'm not. No. Okay, so in it's a remarkable podcast, and I really recommend everybody listens to it. We'll put the link down below. But Dr. Zach Bush, he was, um, you know, started off in engineering, and then he was a medical doctor, and then he um, was doing cancer research and literally chemotherapy, drug development. Then he moved into um, internal medicine, then functional medicine as he learned more about the body and the immune system and the endocrine system and how it all works together. And then he learned about food as medicine. And then now he strictly has a clinic that teaches people how to use food as medicine to heal and reverse their diseases. But the number one piece in that podcast, which is so remarkable, number one, it's about glyphosate usage so that everybody thinks it's a pesticide that comes on our, you know, conventionally grown foods and our crops, but it's actually an antibiotic as well. So when people aren't eating organic food, they're actually taking in organic um, antibiotics. And it's not just in the food, it's in our water, it's in our air, it's all around us. So here you are, um, you know, you might have been on the tipping point there. And then all of a sudden, you have to take this pharmaceutical pharmaceutical dosages for, you know, the cataracts, and then the pneumonia. But what he said that is the most remarkable piece is that he said there's studies that show that within six months of taking antibiotics, um, there's a significant increase in depression. And so, and I think it's 60%. You take two doses of antibiotics in one year, then that those depression rates go up even more. But it really shows that also... Um, the antibiotics, we know when they decimate our gut health, that decimates our hormone health and our endocrine system and our immune system. So, okay, going back to when you were, so please, everybody listen to that podcast. So going back to the point where you all of a sudden get to go see an intern, who's, who negotiated that for you? Did, did your physician say, hey, you know what? I want you to see an internal medicine specialist. How did that come about? Because not everybody gets referred to an internal medicine practitioner. No, my GP did, and he's pretty. He's a pretty cool guy. He's right on it. He's um, he's quite progressive, um, and you know, and, and plus I'm a good patient. I get I get a physical every year, and I have since I was about 19. So there's a lot of data on me in the sense of so they see when you're proactive as a patient with your GP or whoever, they like working. You know, it's like work with the working. <laughs> work with the willing and they really appreciate that because I respect their time and what their intelligence is and all of that stuff so you know when we're going through this he knows I'm not a whiner I very rarely see a need to see a doctor I go every year I'm proactive with my health and all of that so when I'm saying I'm having a serious problem he's on it and so you know a little after a couple of tests he said well we, we have to get you we have to get you there now uh, because he also knows me as being extremely energetic so when I say I'm, I, I have lost my energy, and by the way, I'm not a coffee drinker, never have been. So I'm not one of those people that's reaching for that or using it in the morning. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, so that's that's not one of my things, and that's so I didn't have anything like that that people would do as a crutch to pick them up. So and that's probably something that allowed you 
just got you that much further ahead faster. It's because you were very hyper aware of what your body was telling you because you weren't trying to drug out those symptoms. And I mean, coffee is a drug at the end of the day and people need to realize that, you know, definitely there's some health benefits to coffee, but I don't know if they really outweigh all the, you know, other um, downsides of coffee. So, okay. So you go in, you get referred to an um, internal medicine specialist four months goes by before you get to see her. Is that correct? Her. Okay. And then when she saw you, I love what you said that, um, you know, this specialist said, I, I'm going to make this a priority, right? Oh, yeah. What did Big you time. Big yeah, time. It was like she was a, a, a private investigator. <laughs> and that's what we need. People need to understand that if they have a practitioner, um, I often say, you know what, you can fire your doctors because at the end of the day, if they're not working for you, I mean, I think it's your health benefits, it's your dollar it's your you know money it's your taxes that are going into this medical system and so if you have somebody who's not advocating for you and working for you you absolutely need to get a second opinion um which we should do in a lot of cases but you also just need to fire that person and find somebody so here you are okay so you're on this beautiful path where you get referred to the internal medicine doctor um she's advocating for you and then how long did that take in working with her and what sort of things did she do to try and understand what was going on we've been working together so November, probably about four or five months we just sort of started because you know you go you get some tests they have to come back you have to get another appointment so it's always a process and the process is always very time you know time time bound so um you know we were probably on the third round of tests like deeper and deeper because also with our medical system they can't dive that deep right at the get-go they have to do it bit by bit um that's yeah. that's one of the issues so um, the way we're doing the bit by bit and getting deeper and deeper into it when at that point she was still befuddled because all my test results were coming back in the normal, if not really good range based on mm -hmm. the, the depth of the, the testing that we get with our MSP system. So um, we were probably, I was going to about to start getting into much deeper and, you know, we'll go private and uh, dive into it that way to get the data that we needed to help determine what was going wrong here. And that's when I got the diagnosis with, uh, I got a bad mammogram to start. And then you go back and they call you in for another procedure, which is ultrasound and a 3D mammogram. And then that's when they said, okay, now we need to do biopsies. And um, that's when it gets, starts getting freaky because of my timing, I got right at the Christmas rush. And they couldn't get me in, they wanted to get me in within a few days for the biopsies. And they couldn't, I had to wait all the way over Christmas and New Year's. Uh, so I gotta say, I went a bit buggy. <laughs> and I sought a solution, like a, an herbal solution for that because that was very um, depressing and I was acting out, which isn't me either. And I recognized that and went, I need to do something. And I was looking for St. John's Wort and they didn't have any and I couldn't think of what the name was. And they, um, the woman that I've been dealing with at Whole Foods for, since they opened, like since the old Capers in West Van. Um, right. Susan, she's there, so she knows her stuff. And she said, well, take a look at this, give this a consideration and maybe try it. And it's 5-HTP, take that with B. And then within three days, it was calming me down, which is what I really needed. And I didn't want to take a drug. So yeah. I, I went that path and it, works for, it worked for me beautifully. So it just sort of helped take that edge off so you can actually experience real emotions instead of fear and all of that sure. doubt and unknown and you know you don't know what's going on because now you're waiting and then you go into the biopsies and you've got to wait again and 
uh, when, and, the, and actually the crazy thing, they were only going to, I had two tumors and they were only going to biopsy one. And I said, pardon me, you have me here. You're doing both. And they said, well, they'll take four samples. I said, no, they took 24. I said, do it. Like we're here. What's, what's the difference? You know, it's like, if it hurts me, I'll, you know, I'll put some ice on it, but I want you to find out now. I don't want to have to come back and go on go back through this again and again and again. That's time. So and stress, we did. And stress as well. Yeah, and if you if you advocate for yourself and you go, well, look at what am I going to do? I'm going to come back again, and you know because it's two or three times. No, so let's just get it figured out here. Get all the tissue you need, and so we did that. And um, the diagnosis then is it's isolated breast cancer. No problem. We're just going to remove the tumors, and you're good to go. Yeah. No. Okay. So I have. Few pieces that you touched on there that I think are so important. So number one, um, you were making calls as well. So here you are. So you know when they said we're just going to biopsy the one, you're like, no, do it all. Like let's get all the information that we can. And I think this is the most important thing. Um, a lot of patients don't realize that they can do that. That they can actually you know question. Um, and I, I teach my students, you know, when you go into an appointment, you need to have a list of questions prepared in advance. But then also while you're in there, take a notebook and a pen and write notes down. And you can email afterwards, you can call back afterwards, you can say, actually, no, I've thought about it, or I've done a bit of research, and I, you know, this is what I want. And people need to know that they can advocate for themselves as well. Even if they're, they're, their gut might say, well, I'm not a doctor, and I don't know, and these are the specialists, and, you know, but a lot of times, just like you said, is doctors won't often go deep, deep, deep right at the very forefront, you know, to whether it's to run the test, whether it's to, you know, do extra procedures. Um, you know, I remember having a friend who she had a deviated septum in her nose, but then she also had another issue on the other side of her face. And they're like, if you're opening up my face, why wouldn't you do both at the same time? And the doctor was like, oh yeah, I guess we could do that. And, you know, he would never ever have suggested that, but, you know, by, you know, asking these questions, and a lot of us are intimidate, intimidated to do that, intimidated to ask questions, intimidated to um, question, you know, what they're saying and question their authority, which comes across as power and then power over. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, for anybody in the audience, I mean, go find somebody, even if you're not the person who feels like you can question. I've had clients who are too scared. They're just too scared. But then what they'll do is call me and say, can you come to this appointment with me? And can you ask the questions? Because they know I'm not going to hesitate. So people can do that because um, there's a wonderful book called How Doctors Think. And at the end of the day, doctors are just human beings. You know, they're human beings. They, you know, some of them are very creative thinkers and other people are just very task oriented. Like they're like, we need to biopsy the tumor. You know, they're not thinking, well, let's gather data. They're not researchers and scientists. So you can help them be those things. And actually you can save a lot of time. You can save a lot of money um, and, and you can save your life too by doing that. That's what that book, How Doctors Think, think. Um, that book is so important. We'll put the link below as well because it teaches you how to be that advocate. Um, and I'm guessing you probably hadn't read that book before all of this happened, um, but you were already, there's some part of you that is just innate probably um, disposed to be that way to ask those questions which I think is quite remarkable which is why I say you're a healing hero oh. um, there is another part about what you mentioned as well um, when you were in the hospital having your mammogram now were you getting your yearly mammogram at the, or what was it every two years at that point uh, it was every two years at that point which was really and you know like I would say to anybody mammograms aren't the best you're better off to get a thermogram for sure but 
Um, you know, if, if that's out of your financial reach, get a mammogram every year. Do not let them put you on a two-year thing. That's how fast these tumors grew. Yeah. And was there, at the point when you went in for your mammogram and for this, like, bad mammogram, was there any correillation? Were you thinking anything was related to the fatigue and everything at that point? Absolutely just- not. No, not, not until long after. It took a long time to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And also just, you know, a point when you talked about the emotionality of all this, when I came out of that second consult with my doctor, like I got called in after the second, you know, the 3D uh, mammogram and ultrasound, my doctor called me and they wouldn't have the conversation with me. So I knew what was coming. I just didn't know how bad or what degree or whatever. So, um, you know, I knew that they would want to take biopsies. After the biopsies, when they told me that, yes, it is cancer, um, I did not take my partner into that appointment. And I should have. Because you go deaf. <laughs> you literally go deaf. You don't hear everything. Um, and I am so fortunate that with my doctor and with uh, the medical assistant that uh, runs the office. Um, they are very caring people. They got on it immediately and had me in for those, um, you know, after the, the 3D mammograms and everything. They got me into the biopsies as fast as they could. The whole system did. And then after that, they got me into surgery as fast as they could. I, you know, like this, we kept this process moving because the longer you sit on it or if you delay or if you let a, an appointment lapse, the more emotional damage it's going to do to you because you need to keep moving. And that's, that's okay. the best advice. And take somebody into those appointments with you. If you get a, the minute you get somebody, a call back on a mammogram, take somebody to every appointment after that because you actually lose it. You just... You don't think you do. I'm pretty. I'm a pretty high-functioning person when it comes to things like this. But there's. I'm sure I missed a lot of what they had to say. And this part is so absolutely crucial that having somebody there in the appointment with you um, to listen for you, to take notes for you, and you can instruct them to do that. Like, I want you to record the appointment. I want you to do that so you can listen to it again so that you don't, because we cannot remember all of these things. When we're in a state of shock, basically our amygdala is fired up and that's the fight and flight center of the brain, which means that all further learning in that moment is shut down. So taking in new information, processing information, making decisions, all of those things um, completely get shut down. So people need to remember to absolutely bring someone in. That's a really, really good piece of advice. And a lot of times people want to go it alone as well. They're like, no, no, I can just go in and I'll, you know, I'll get the information first and then I'll share it with my family later. Absolutely not. You need to have a community around you in these moments. Now, I want to go back to what you said earlier too about when you first started getting this information, but you couldn't get in yet for the biopsy um, and for those initial appointments, and this was happening over Christmas, people need to remember this and what you did because the fact that you looked at the stress and you recognized in yourself that you were behaving a little bit differently um, as a result of the stress, as a result of having to wait over Christmas, I mean, it's already a stressful time. But when it comes to um, our body and disease, when we have stress, it suppresses our immune system further. And if you are in a situation where you have cancer, and especially if it's an aggressive cancer, that moment between potentially being diagnosed and then the actual diagnosis is a very, very stressful time. So I love that you went to Whole Foods and that you went to the person who knew you and that you asked for that. You know, you could have said, sure, they don't have St. John's word. Okay, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to take anything. But again, you kept looking further and asking those questions. And um, we're going to put the link below of what you took and I'll add some additional things that people can take um, and do um, when they find themselves in a stressful situation because 
I just went through that this summer because I found a lump in my breast, oh, which I haven't podcast on this but it turned out to not be a lump it was actually a rib that was out but it was pushing forward into my breast wow. and made it feel like it was a, everybody who touched it like said there's definitely a massive lump there and um I didn't feel like my rib was out I didn't know you know so I scheduled and of course I called my girlfriend who had been diagnosed with cancer and I was like what do I do and this is coming from the person who instructs people on what to do but in that fight and flight center where I'm now like highly stressed I wasn't able to make decisions but I knew that I could ask somebody else so just by going to somebody else extending your community um you know and for me it's especially frightening because of the work that I do that if people say well this is Nicolette and she eats well and she does all of these things and then she gets cancer so I had that extra layer stress being like what do I tell the world if I'm diagnosed well I tell them that I'm human um, I tell them that there's many different reasons for cancer but so I ended up going and she said Nikki you know what to do what do you, what would you do what would you tell somebody to do and I said well I say go in make an appointment with the doctor go in and get a thermography um, exam go in and do that and so I did and luckily uh, the doctor noticed right away it was a rib out of place nothing showed up but she did say hey you know what you have a spot on the other breast that I'm concerned about it doesn't feel like a lump it doesn't you know and she said but it's very red in this one particular place and in the thermography they're looking for yellows blues greens but if it reaches the oranges and reds then and bright yellows that's really highly active um, and it shows inflammation and heat um, and, and a lot of blood clustering, which can happen around um, breast tumors and tumors in the body. So, um, and just to summarize what happened, because I know people are going to be like, what were the final results? So anyway, I did a follow-up three months later, but in those three months, I put myself strictly on the Gerson therapy, which is what I teach my clients to do. So I put myself on Gerson therapy. I did that and I went back for my next results. And of course, everything was clear. And they were so surprised because normally what happens in a thermography exam is they they're getting baseline data so once you get the first one they want to make sure nothing changes and so because and that's a good sign if nothing changes and if you have red spots that stay the same forever that's wonderful um in my case all the red spots went away the orange spots went away the yellow spots went away everything was gone um and they actually asked me they're like how did this happen we never see this happen and i said well i did a you know i changed my diet um i amplified my diet and i really really was stringent with it on all of these different areas i took high dose iodine and the potassium and i got rid of all like i don't eat sodium anyway but i really was extra special um and careful and of course it went away and she was like, oh my gosh, we need to learn about this because they don't see that yeah. happen, the thermography results. But when you're in that fight or flight center and you know, this is where you know, we'll make a whole list of things that you can do, including your suggestions and what you did as well. But you know, meditation and yoga and breathing and talking it out with people and letting people know like, hey, I'm scared right now. Like it's Christmas time and I know we're all supposed to be celebrating, but just expressing the fear as well is really important. So I just want to acknowledge you and say that's amazing that you went ahead and did that. And I think that's also another priceless piece of advice alongside taking someone to the appointment with you. Um, okay, so then let's go ahead further and uh, learn more about what you did. So you had the biopsy, you were, went in for the surgeries. Um, and what happened at this point? You, you just, you followed what- surgery number one. Go in for surgery number that? one. And it's supposed to be easy peasy. We're gonna get it out. You don't need, Chemotherapy, you don't need radiation, you don't need anything. No drugs, no after drugs, no nothing. We're just going to take them out, you're going to be fine. So, they said that you're going to be fine. Get the surgery, go to see the oncologist. And because that was supposed to be the case, um, John, my partner, was traveling that day. 
because we weren't supposed to be getting any bad news now, were we? So he's getting on a plane and I'm getting the worst news you can get. And that is that um, it's invasive. It's not isolated. And so I'm sitting there by myself and with the oncologist and poor John's catching a plane and I'm giving him this news. And I'm going, you know what, go anyway. I just need the week by myself. I really need to just chill, meditate, do some deep breathing, be by myself. Um, and just sort of chill out. I don't need anybody hovering around me going, are you okay? So I said, you go away and, and I'll, I'll be fine. So it was actually the best choice for me, not necessarily for everybody, but I just really needed to take a deep breath and that deep breath was four or five days. Um, so, uh, cause it was really a real shocker and it was very much a big shocker for him as well. So he's out there on the phone going and I'm saying, no, go, that's the best thing you can do right now. So it was probably harder on him than me. I'm going to say, because he couldn't be there to see, am I okay? So I just, you know, as I say, I needed to chill. So I did that and I did the meditation and deep breathing and just so a lot of self-care in that week to just let it calm down. And that news to calm down and go, okay, but take that deep breath and here we go again. So another operation. And that one was even more invasive because now they're doing lymph nodes and they're doing, you know, and they're taking a lot more tissue and they're, you know, so it's, uh, uh, and the recovery from that one. So now you're a couple more operations, a couple more rounds of antibiotics. <laughs> and here we go again. So, and the worst thing that you can do. So get through that and get into recovery. And now, you know, the diagnosis after that or the treatment uh, plan after that is uh, no chemotherapy, thankfully, uh, but radiation and some pretty heavy dosages. So for a long period, it was a full month every day. Um, okay. And I, that, that I would never advise just to dive into that one. I actually got threatened into it. So I was not impressed and I'm actually very, uh, I'm not very thrilled about it because- So can you tell it, explain what that looks like? Because I know that there's a lot of different, I mean, I've, with, after having worked with hundreds of clients and you know, helping them through these phases and you know, going from you know, symptoms being not good to being diagnosed and then having to um, you know, talk through their treatment options and you know, getting them to you know, know that they consider multiple treatment options. Like we're not against chemo or radiation or surgery. Like you do that to give your, your body a chance so that when you wanna make the other complementary and dietary and alternative choices, it gives your body a chance to catch up, build up the body's resilience to disease, but that takes time. Like that takes a few months. If you have a few months, then that's when surgery, chemo, and radiation are super important. But um, just maybe if you can share that your story about what that looked like to feel threatened into something, because um, I think that doctors, there's now something called humane medicine, um, which is a field of medicine that's starting because of the fact that there are so many doctors that do wear these power suits and say, well, if you don't do this, this can happen. Or, you know, this is, the, I'm the only specialist you need to see. You don't need a second opinion. Um, I've been doing this for 30 years and, you know, um, don't Google anything because I'm the specialist and Google can't teach you anything. Like there's so many things that I've heard doctors say, or, you know, they say, I've never met anybody like diet doesn't have anything to do with health or, you know, like it's absolutely incredible or there's no science on meditation. I'm like, well, you just haven't read the hundreds of thousands of articles that have been published scientifically proven by your peers, medical doctors and scientists who've gone to the same universities as you, but they just haven't read the science. So then they say the science doesn't exist, which is complete 
bullshit. Excuse my language, but it's like, just because you haven't done the research doesn't give you the right to say that it doesn't exist. So what did that look like for you when you were feeling, you know, So I didn't feel well enough to undertake any more treatment at the time to be, and I told the oncologist that I said, I don't think I'm healthy enough to undergo anything. And I said, besides which I don't know, I need to research this and I need to talk to some people and I need to do my own research and I need to talk to others. Um, medical practitioners, naturopaths, and you know, alternative medicine to see if this is really the path I should be taking. She said, if you do not take this as scheduled, we as BC Cancer will not treat you anymore. There's the threat. Yeah. So I caved. I, you know, because I didn't, I didn't know what else I could do at that point. I really didn't. And as it turns out, I made the wrong choice for sure because. I had my DNA tested, not the 23andMe or the Ancestry, but I had uh, some more serious and in-depth DNA testing done for health. It's all about health. It's not about disease. It's about how do you work with your body, just like you do, to make it function better? What do you feed it to, to actually work with your unique DNA, which is your weaknesses? Um, and so the, the thing is that I got that DNA test done partway through my radiation. Um, because that was my first opportunity, my first exposure and opportunity. And when I had it done, it basically, radiation's poison anyway. To me, it's like 10 times poison. Same as antibiotics, by the way. So antibiotics for most people aren't as bad as they are for me, So which is why it took my system down so badly. So now that I understand that, going forward, I have a lot of other things in my toolkit and will find other things in my toolkit to deal with my health issues. Um, and I've got, you know, and I've gotten more curious and I have a lot more resources. So um, that's what, that's how that's helped me. But I didn't know that going in. I just knew in like intuitively that this was not a good thing for me. And I just, as I said, felt that I was not well enough to undertake radiation, especially the heavy dosage that they had set up and for the, the duration that they did. So I just sort of took it on the chin and, you know, did the deep breathing and got out there and did it. And got myself there every day all the way from West Van to BC Cancer, which is buses, trains and whatever and walking, which was good because I couldn't take a chance that I got stuck on the bridge with the traffic and miss my time slots because then you're going to be waiting four hours because they've got that radiation machine that's going all day, every 15 minutes, somebody new is in there. And uh, yeah, it's a machine. And so I did that and then I knew, I knew at some point I'd need rides. <laughs> So, or no, actually, I didn't believe that. I thought, oh, I can go through this because everything I'd heard from anybody I talked to was radiation isn't that bad. Well, that's, that's somebody talking. That's not me talking. And it's on any doctor I've talked to since. They go, no, radiation will take you down. It will suck your energy out of you. It will, it'll smack you down. And that's what it did to me. So as I got further in, and the problem, the deal with radiation is it's a gift that keeps on giving. So even though you've stopped your treatments, it continues to hit you for quite a while. And then there's, you know, there's other things and they don't tell you, you've really got to be a lot more proactive in that system because you don't really realize what's happening to your body. And, um, you know, there's a lot to do with saline uh, wraps on the radi radiation zone to avoid the third degree burns that I ended up getting. And even That's though I treated my skin before and during, I only got, I got minor compared to most people, but they hurt like hell. And, you know, it's like, they go, oh yeah, well, this happens all the time. Well, why didn't you tell me this before and saline wraps would help calm it down? 
and you know help avoid it so you really got to you've got to talk to some people about what was really the process because people go oh it's okay you're gonna be fine but they don't tell you the the ins and outs of it and i think so that's what's important the wrap? yeah how did you do the saline wrap what you do is they soak you make your own saline solution with distilled water and at room temperature and uh, gauze uh, sterile gauze and what you're doing is the radiation zone you're soaking these and then you're wrapping your radiation zone in them and it feels like even though they're at room temperature it feels like they're freezing well that's because your skin's burning from the inside out yeah and it was really freaky when this burn came up and then when they put these on like i thought my god you put freezing stuff on they said no more in its room temperature and i said well why didn't you people tell me about this before so that i could be doing it long before i needed it because then you're keeping that heat down through the process and you probably won't get, you know, some women burn very, very severely and have severe discoloration that lasts for years. As I said, I treated my skin all the way along with some creams that I, that I have and that I got approved by the oncologist and by the, all the radiologists and to keep my skin hydrated and moisturized. So I was very fortunate in that sense, but I still got one very big, nasty third degree burn that had to be dealt with. So... Yeah. And what people need to realize about the third degree burns that people get um, from the radiation. I've had clients who, you know, come to me after getting radiation treatment and then they come to me to try and figure out like how to heal the body because, you know, they go in for radiation treatment for uterine or cervical cancer and it actually ends up burning their bladders and wrecking their bladders and their rectum because it goes right through and then they have no ability to um, eliminate and then they have to get catheters put in, they have to do all of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the side effect of getting the radiation, but then now they have no process of elimination. So it is a challenging one. And people have to realize that when you have a burn inside your body and on the skin, I mean, it's your largest organ, you know, your skin next to your microbiome, which is now considered an organ in itself, but your skin is your largest organ. And so if any part of it is damaged, your whole entire immune system, your endocrine system, like your, um, your repair system is going in and that takes energy. So when you say like, it still continues to suck your energy long after the radiation is done, well, it's because now the body's trying to go in and heal this massive organ. And that takes mitochondrial energy, ATP, um, it takes nutrients, it takes, um, you know, absolutely everything. It means your liver needs to function to get rid of the damaged cells um, and then to repair and, re and make new cells. So that's why it's so energy intensive on the body. And, um, you know, people, anybody who's listening out there and you want to find out the history of radiation, uh, the truth about cancer has a really great, one of the videos, one of the nine videos talks about the history of radiation and how it was discovered. Um, you can look this up online. There's books written on it as well. And just get to understand how it first came to be in the conventional medical system. Um, and then also um, just to learn more about it. Again, not to say that radiation, um, you should not do it, but you need to know the ups and downs and all the side effects of it. And then you also need to know what you can do in conjunction. It's like getting chemotherapy as well. I had one client who, it was amazing. She didn't lose her fingernails and her toenails um, like all the other women who were getting treatment alongside her. And that's because she put um, basically these ice gloves and ice, um, their cooling gloves and cooling um, pads on her feet and on her scalp. And it was incredible. And so she yeah. saved her um, extremities from this damage from the chemotherapy that it normally causes nobody wow. else in the room thought she was crazy even the doctors thought she was crazy but you know what she kept all their fingernails so 
and toenails. So there's so many things you can do alongside in addition to like making changes to your diet, meditating, yoga, like we talk, talked about. So you went through the radiation and then um, what happened after that? Well, and actually when I was going through radiation, I did do a lot of things that were to help me. And one of them was I juiced. Okay. Um, you know, after talking to you and go reading all the Gerson books and um, the resources online that you'd sent me and shared with me, I uh, juiced all the way through radiation. So uh, because I, I didn't have the ability to get into it very seriously and, and that I found somebody in West Vancouver who does all organic juices and his vegetables never hit the fridge and they're fresh daily. And so I would buy daily and John actually juiced with me. So it's a little bit more expensive way to go, but it worked because it's just, I just didn't have the energy and the time and the capacity to take that on. It would have been more stressful. So um, I did that. I juice until about two in the afternoon and then I'd stick with light meals like uh, raw vegetables and um, you know, steamed vegetables and some, you know, like some fish or something. So I did that all the way through um, to take some pressure off of my system. And once I got my DNA done partway through, I understood even more how important that is and then eliminated a bunch of foods because, um, you know, not everything was good for my system, such as my body doesn't process monounsaturated fats very well. So out go avocados, nuts and seeds. Which is so interesting because on Gerson, like, I mean, the Gerson therapy, which is what I teach my clients, as you know, um, <clears throat> it was developed over about a hundred years ago by Dr. Max Gerson. He was a German Jewish doctor who lived in Germany and he originally designed the diet for migraines. But when he eliminated those monounsaturated fats, when he eliminated all the nuts and seeds and those really high intensity amino acids, so people call it protein, but high protein foods. Um, and then he really stuck to exactly what you just said, like those steamed vegetables, lots of raw vegetables, lots of fruits, lots of, you know, really um, an abundance in the produce, the fruits and vegetables, whether it's cooked or raw, it doesn't matter. But um, not in no added oils, none of those high fats. So no avocados as well. And people say, what? But avocados are so healthy. Yeah, avocados are really healthy in a body that is optimal and can digest that. But I mean, it's a very high protein, a high fat food. Um, and for the ratio of minerals and vitamins that you're getting in comparison to the high fat, um, it's just not a good payoff versus if you eat, you know, um, you know, I don't know if you're eating potatoes, but we eat a lot of potatoes in the Gerson therapy, but lots of squash and root vegetables and lots of greens and that they have fat in them. People think that, you know, all of those foods don't contain any fat and everybody wants to take their, the refined fish oils and the refined everything. But at the end of the day, I mean, all of our fruits and vegetables have fat in them as right. well. So we don't have to be taking high, high fat. And especially when Max Gerson found when somebody was diagnosed with cancer, the number one thing that they needed to eliminate was the high protein, high fat foods. And that's because the body didn't have the ability to break it down and digest them because the, dig the digestion's already shot by that point. Well, exactly. Yeah. And that's so, you know, taking those away, there's, you know, so that, that's the bigger thing for, uh, for me, you know, like, okay, 25% of the population can process dairy after the age of three. I'm not one of those. <laughs> so uh, we have absolutely no dairy in our house. We used to love the cheese, but it's totally out. Neither of us miss it. And we're both feeling so much better for it. But I've always had a problem with dairy, but more, the softer it got, the more of a problem I had with it. If it was a hard cheese, not as much. It's, a, it's something about science and chemistry. But eliminating all of it and getting that out of our diet, it's, yeah, I can feel the relief. My system feels the relief when I start 
started eating from my DNA. So it's, you know, green smoothies in the morning and no protein powders. And like, as you said, and what you taught me very clearly, if it's got a label, it's processed. So, and we very much adhere to that. If it's got a label, it's processed. And we very rarely eat anything with a label. Um, we even bread, we'll have bread maybe a piece a week, you know, like a really good healthy spelt bread or um, the whole grain bread or something, but not uh, very rarely and organic only. And just switching to organic and making sure that all of the vegetables are really well washed. Um, I could just feel my system just going, ah, oh. like it just, you can feel the relief. And now my body craves that green smoothie in the morning. That's like amazing. it just craves it. It's like, okay, where's that? So like people crave their coffee, except when I'm finished drinking my smoothie, I actually feel better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they do. Yeah, no. And we've seen that from having the green mustache that we'd have people who'd come in normally and they'd have a Starbucks in one hand because it's right next to us. And then they'd order their green drink and, you know, and then eventually they started coming in being like, well, if I start off with a green drink, I never ever have to go to Starbucks and get a, get a coffee. And I'm like, exactly. Because you are oxygenating your blood. You are bringing nutrients in that feed your brain. So your brain becomes alive and active and then their body starts craving it. And then they're like, Oh my gosh. Like, and they didn't have those two o'clock dips anymore. Um, and so I loved watching that transition of like high coffee and lots of, lots of coffee, a little bit of juice. And then it went like this yeah. really, really quickly. And then all of a sudden they're not drinking their coffee anymore, which is pretty fantastic. Now, how did you find out, because there's so many people doing DNA testing um, and there's like, like you mentioned the 23andMe, which is, you know, sure, a great test to get a bit of information, but it's not really the robustness. So how did you find out about the DNA testing? Okay, so um, I belong to an organization called, I'm a, I'm a participant, very active participant in, in an organization called SheEO. And we, yeah, so we support, um, female entrepreneurs, ventures, founders, developers, creators, innovators. And we support them by uh, creating a fund every year um, through radical generosity. So we contribute into the fund. We do not get anything back except the, uh, the joy of giving and helping. And uh, female only uh, led ventures um, and entrepreneurs can apply to this fund. This year we had 450. So some incredible women out there doing some incredible things. Lois Naherney is a founding uh, member of CEO, and she was also a venture in 2015 applying for the funds for her company, DNA Power. And when I saw that, this was before my cancer journey at all, I said, I have to get together with you. This is fascinating me. I just loved what she had to say. And it just opened my eyes up to another aspect of health because I really do believe in diagnostics and, and data and um, I'm proof of the, the pudding that I, I don't fit into the normal just eat whole foods, which is what I find a lot of practitioners do because maybe they don't know more, maybe they weren't taught more, whatever. But for me, that wasn't working. And I tried it and it wasn't working. So with DNA, it's like, here's my roadmap to what my body works with and doesn't work with. And if I stick with it, for me, it's brassica vegetables. Load up on them. And not root vegetables so much and not potatoes, but tons of broccoli and cauliflower and um, okay. yeah. So, and we have, what we do is we have a chunky salad in the fridge at all times with all of those cut up in it raw and then add kale or whatever you want to it, or maybe some roasted squash or maybe this or that. So we eat uh, Buddha bowls or glory bowls, whatever you want to call them every day and keep the, keep the dressing low. Yeah. 
stay away from that fat. So uh, we're getting better at it. So it's, we're a work in progress <laughs> and finding out what's working. Cause I've found that I'm still like, I'm getting very tired in the afternoon. So I need protein. Um, so I'm just looking, you know, researching protein sources. What are the best uh, that I can start working with and have handy for a snack. Uh, instead of, you know, people are going for energy bars or whatever I need to make my own because I don't eat sugar either. So it's a work in refined progress. Sugar, right? Pardon me? You mean, refined, you mean refined sugar or what kind of sugars? I don't put any other added sugars in anything of like any no sort. Date. No dates. No. You know, because of some of your recipes, I've used them in dressings and I love it. And I need to learn some other things that I can do. And I also need to learn a snack I can carry with me. So I don't crash like, is it a fig? Is it dates? What is it? But it's not nuts for me, remember? No nuts and seeds. Yeah. So most people can just take a handful of nuts with them. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. So, and so many people, I've met so many people who just think that nuts and seeds are the answer. And the minute we get them off the nuts and seeds, because if we think about it, all we have to do is look at the farmers and how they raise their cows. <clears throat> and the best way to fatten up a cow is to just feed it tons of grains and tons of seeds, right? Because it's very energy intensive. So it makes that little calf grow massive in a very short period of time versus cows in nature, the ones that, you know, bulls, buffalo, horses, you know, it doesn't matter what animal that are grazing animals, they eat grass and sure they're getting a little bit of seed in there for sure, a little bit, but they're predominantly eating the green stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're eating the stems and the shoots and all of that. And so, and and they're not growing exponentially like that. It's not triggering that um, hormone growth factor um, as significantly as when you have the nuts and seeds and grains. And especially when you have cancer, you do not want to stimulate fast growing anything. No. So the minute we remove those nuts and seeds, it's amazing. It slows everything down, your body can regenerate, your telomeres grow longer, and your telomeres are your indicators of your longevity and your health. Um, they can actually measure, measure your telomere length, and they can tell you if you are a 60-year-old, 40-year-old, right? Ooh. Or if you're a 30-year-old, 40-year-old. And they see this in kids now where they're measuring their telomeres, and these kids have telomeres the length of 60 and 70-year-olds. These wow. kids that are living with this food. Yeah, so we'll put the link to a really great book about telomeres. Um, and people need to understand that because the great thing is, is a plant-based whole food diet that's probably specific to your DNA as well. But I mean, even a, just a plant-based whole food diet where you minimize all your nuts and seeds, even just get rid of them. You can eat the sprouted seeds. Those are great. Like if you have that um, and, you know, but not the actual seed itself. And then what happens is your telomeres just go and they lengthen again. And then, you know, you'll have 10 year olds that are actually designed to be 10 year olds and not 60 year olds. That's so cool. it's yeah, it's very, very cool. So I'd like to um, learn more about, about that and also about sprouted seeds. Yeah, because there's definitely nutrition in them, but it's not the way they are. Your body has trouble processing it. So yeah, it's the green shoots that are wider, like super, super healthy. It has the chlorophyll. It's got all of that. And that's what stimulates growth in your body. And it's essentially the sunshine. So we eat sunshine. Okay, that a lot of people don't realize that it's that photosynthesis process, which creates the glucose and the sugars in our fruits and vegetables. And that's what our mitochondria need. And if you're not getting enough of those naturally occurring sugars, the glucose to fuel your body and your cells, you're not going to grow the mitochondria and it's the mitochondria that creates the energy. So people think that when they eat the seeds, they're getting more protein and amino acids and fats. Yeah, you are, but you're not eating sun food because the seeds yeah. go under the earth. Right. right, that's interesting. That's a whole new bent on it because I know we've, when, when we did some consultations and through, through my journey, 
it's like the closer it is to you, the better it is for you. And the, uh, the easier it is to harvest, the better it is for you. So um, I understand that, but this is a whole new twist with the sun foods. I like it. Yeah, if you think about it like that, and you know who says it really well is, I know that Sherry Strong had put us in touch, I believe, right? Yes. And yeah, and Sherry Strong is such a fabulous woman. She's got a great TED Talk. Everybody, please listen to it. Um, she's got a wonderful book called Return to Food. And then she also has a brand new company called um, Sweet Freedom. So it's all about how you can still like eat this decadent, delicious, amazing, um, you know, food uh, and foods and beverages. But the sweets come from naturally occurring foods as opposed to all the refined sugars and processed junk that's out there and all the chemical um, preservatives sugars that give us that high right they're those dopamine drips they really get us really high but they do nothing to our immune system and to our endocrine system and our repair system so sherry um please and i will put the links down to her as well but she connected yeah. us but i also love how she says it she's like if you look far and wide out there on this beautiful planet that we have you're going to see a ton of water but you're also going to see all these greens and it's all those greens that we can eat and they're in abundance compared to the nuts and seeds you yeah. see a million greens on the trees and you only see a few nuts and seeds, right? So, and it's the same thing with the meat that we eat. So if you actually live by those principles, if eat in abundance, what is in abundance, you'll actually be stimulating your health um, and really creating health and longevity in your body. So um, after, okay, so after you went through the radiation treatment, then what were some of the things that you, you changed your diet then? Because now you had that DNA testing as well, and you started to eat more for your body type, yeah. um, for your DNA. And yeah. that was with um, Lois uh, Naherny. Now, yeah. Am I saying that right? And yeah. she's with DNA Power. We'll put the link below if anybody wants Perfect. to go ahead and yeah. um, join her program and get that done. And she's a fabulous woman full of so much energy. Um, she's just all about helping people improve their life. So you worked with her and was it, a, did you have to go back a few times to get the well, DNA? The DNA, I, I, the, her test is the simplest. Like I, I've heard what people had to do for those other ones. And oh my God, I would never have done it. Like I just go, it gross me out, but it's a simple swab with, with DNA power. So it's very simple. You do the, the, the swab, uh, you get it mailed back off, and it's like once you've ordered it, it comes with a stamp, self-addressed envelope. You just put it in, it goes back to the office. They process it. So the reporting that comes out of it um, is anywhere from, I did the whole package, which is everything. It's called Total Power, and that's because I have a chronic illness or had a chronic illness. I, for most people, you can just start with the nutrition and supplement vitamin one. And that's going to tell you what I've learned too is like, you know, just taking a supplement because you think or because so-and-so is taking it or this or that or it's a fat or whatever. Definitely not the way to go. I've done a little bit of that. I think I'm a lot more thoughtful than that, but I'm just as I follow the path just like everybody else. Um, I've learned not to do that. And right now I'm just down to supplements that I need to support my DNA once I get my system settled into that, then I'll look at other things like detoxification. What can I do to add in to do that? Um, and so, you know, basically things that will help shore me up and uh, help with some of my side effects of radiation, which I have quite a few. Uh, so you don't, the, because it dries your cells out. It affects every cell in your body. And when I went to, I got floaters in my eye, like very serious floaters, which are black. They look like spiders coming through your eye. And before we were about to take a trip, and I thought, I can't catch a plane with this, uh, you know, that you can lose your retina. So I went to a local ophthalmologist, and I lucked out. This woman is amazing. 
And she, um, you know, we were talking about, okay, this, that. And she said, well, anything changed in the last year since you had your, your surgeries? And I said, yeah, I've had breast cancer. And, and she said, chemotherapy or radiation? And I said, radiation. She said, well, this looks like a side effect of radiation because it dries out the gel in the back of your eye, which causes floaters. The floaters can grab your retina and rip it off. So I'm sitting there going. And so she went as deep as she could, but here she is, she's going, okay, floaters, what you need to do, and because of the radiation, is take way more omega-3s. How much are you taking now? And I said 2,000 milligrams a day based on my DNA, right? She said double it because now you have an eye issue. You need those omega-3s. And so I've doubled it, and they've calmed down. And I got into the retina specialist, very fortunately. And here, this is where medicine, medical people differ. So she's all over it. She understands DNA. She wants to learn more. And, um, and I go to the retina specialist. That's all he knows. And I said, well, you know, my ophthalmologist uh, suggested that this very well be a by, uh, you know, like a, a byproduct of radiation. And, and he said, well, no, you got radiated in your breast, not in your eye. And I just thought, really? Did I just, did I just hear this? No, I can't sit here. I know. He goes, well, it was nowhere near your eye. Well, the bottom line is it's only the left eye. It was only the left side. So it didn't, the radiation didn't travel as bad to this side, but it's definitely from the radiation. I did not have this issue before. I've never had it in my life. Uh, and so and he's going, and when he said, well, it's nowhere near your eye, I just thought, I can't even have this conversation with this man. And you will run across medical practitioners that are like that. Just sit there, smile, take their, take their advice, do whatever, and go find somebody else immediately as the minute you walk out the door. Don't upset them because in this case, this guy is like one of the top retina specialists. He knows retinas. I don't want to upset him because I'm going to have to go back to him someday to make sure. As a matter of fact, I have to go back within a year for him to check on it. And if he said, if I have any other change in it, just to call them and not to go to emergency, which is how I hacked the medical system to get into him as I went through the emergency department. So, you know, I, I hacked my own, the medical system to get there because I needed to do it. So he just said, this, next time, just call our office. We will make sure to see you because, you know, because I'm proactive. And they like yeah. that. If you're proactive with your help, they like it. If you don't ask questions, um, you know, they're, they're not going to answer because they don't know what you want to know or need to know. They're going to tell you what they need to tell you. Yeah. They're waiting for questions. Ask them. Just ask. They really love it when you ask them. And tell another good point as well um, that I want to stress for people is I love that when you hack the medical system and it can be as simple as asking questions, but it can also be as simple as telling your specialist or doctor what you want the outcome to be. So oh, I teach my because, um, and doctors want to hear this as well, because I've had so many doctors who actually are fully into nutrition. They're fully into alternative healing practices, you know, complementary healing practices like meditation and yoga and acupuncture and physio and Cairo and, you know, all of those things. But if they get a patient in and they only have like seven and a half minutes with you, maybe some doctors will give you 15 minutes, but then they often don't get reimbursed for that time. So they have about seven and a half minutes with you. And if you go in saying, hey, I'm sick, I want to get better and I want these symptoms to be gone, essentially, then they'll be like, great, here's a drug for you right? It'll take two weeks and, you know, your and if your symptoms aren't gone, come back, we'll give you another drug. But if you go in there and say, hey, doc, listen, I do not want antibiotics. I do not want to end up in surgery. I do not want to end up, you know, with whatever the, uh, you know, the conventional treatment is, but I need to figure out how to get rid of my symptoms. That opens up the conversation with your doctor that allows them to say, 
write down this patient did not want the pharmaceutical drug or this patient did not want surgery. So then they'll say things like, Hey, how much water are you drinking? Maybe you need to drink more water or more, you know, start juicing or, you know, go see acupuncture or, you know, whatever it is, let's get you in with another specialist who can help you. But then you're going to need to start that conversation again with the specialist. Hey, this is the outcome that I want. I want to be completely healed, but if we can avoid the drugs and the antibiotics and the surgeries and the everything, can you do that? Then that doctor, it just changes everything for them. And that's actually what they want to hear. But, you know, a lot of people go to doctors being like, fix me in five minutes. Give me the one pill. I want the magic solution. And so the doctors do what they're designed to do. They were trained in how to diagnose and prescribe. So you have to advocate for yourself that way. And so ask questions and tell them what you want the outcome to be like. And sometimes I've gone to a doctor, like when my daughter had meningitis, I was like, and she was vaccinated for meningitis, even though, you know, and that's a whole another story, but the doctors didn't even believe she had meningitis. And, you know, by the fifth day, when I had 17 doctors who misdiagnosed her, I said, I know she's got meningitis. Tell me why she does not have it and tell me how to get rid of it. And that changed everything. We got rushed to emergency right away. We were in emergency when this happened, but we got rushed to Lionsgate. They, wow. you know, they did a spinal tap, which they could have done five days earlier, but I hadn't asked the right questions. I hadn't said what I want the outcome to be, but I was like, I'm not going home with a kid who's sick and I'm not coming back tomorrow because she might not even make it to tomorrow. That's how bad she was. And so this is so important that people tell your, tell your specialist, your doctor, every, anybody what the outcome is and ask lots of questions. So after you had the um, DNA testing, you're done radiation. Um, what did it, so you started eating to your DNA, which I absolutely love as well. And then how did you start to feel in your body? Like I know you talk about the fact that your cancer is estrogen positive, right? Which means you have this abundance of estrogen in your body and your body can't detoxify it. Yeah. Um, I recommended doing the coffee enemas um, just because a lot of people don't realize the role that the liver plays in producing, it's called sex hormone binding globulin. And what this hormone does or what this binding globulin does it's a protein that your liver that gets created in your liver and it actually binds to the estrogen and it dismantles it and not just estrogen but we have many different types of estrogen in our body three predominantly that we talk about um but it binds to the estrogen dismantles it and then it allows the liver to get rid of it um entirely so the coffee a lot of people think coffee enemas are like a high colonic that they clean out your intestines that's not what they do um but there's also lots of other things you can do to support the liver i mean there's milk this that you could be taking daily. Um, and what are some of the detoxification um, plans that you're looking at right now to help with that? Well, I'm looking at detox baths. I'm looking at infrared saunas. I'm definitely considering the coffee enemas because I hear really good things about it. And I know a couple of people that are starting on that journey right now. Um, I can't say who they are, but uh, so, so I'm just sort of you know waiting to see how they're feeling with it and if that's helping them with their issues. But I know that the radiation is, is piling up in my liver. I can, t I can feel it. And um, so, because things just aren't processing as well as they should. So my body can't detoxify everything that's hitting it, even though I've eliminated a lot of things like plastics. I, you know, like we don't have plastics in the house. We're switching everything to glass. Um, we don't bring plastic bags home with our food. We've got, you know, like, so it's a, it's a process and it doesn't happen overnight. And you can't even try to put yourself into doing it overnight. And I'm pretty good at this stuff, but I can't even do a whole switch over in 48 hours or a week. So it's slowly but surely I'm eliminating that and doing this. And, uh, and also John would probably think I'm crazy and stop the whole parade, right? So I need him to be on board because it's about our household. It's about him being on board with it as well. 
So, and he's, and he's getting it. So when he walks a plastic um, documentary the other day, he goes, oh, okay, I get why you take bags. And uh, documentaries are so great. Like if your partner is not on board with what you're doing, just sit down with them and watch the documentary with them. Don't say anything. Don't be like, I told you so. Just let them watch it. Let them take in the information. For other people, they need books. And some people need like really easy written, like written to a grade five level book. And other people need really scientific books. Some people might even need a journal article. You really need to know um, how your partner learns and then support them just by providing that information. Like you can even highlight a passage in a book and leave it open next to like, you know, on the breakfast table. And when they wake up that morning, they go down, they read one little paragraph. That is the difference between getting your partner on board or having somebody that you're battling with, yeah. you know, as you're trying to make these changes. Um, I also love Marina, how you said, um, it's, this isn't going to happen overnight. So these changes, but that it's more than just your body, right? A lot of people look at detoxifying just their body, but it's the stuff that you're putting on the body, right? It's the stuff that's in your household that is, you know, producing toxic emissions and that you're breathing in that's having an effect on your um, estrogen levels and hormone levels. So I love that you're looking at that as well. Um, so what are some of the other things that you're doing? I bet you there's so many things you've come across. Oh, upping the antioxidants for sure. You know, the green smoothies are a big one. More vegetables is a big one um lots of water i use filtered water i should be using spring water i've got to switch that um you know so the things like this tweaks here and there it's it's just continually tweaking and and um ad adapting and adopting new practices around the house best practices around the home so it's you know it's going it's it's going we we're boaters so we're pretty much there a lot of the case anyway because when you're on a boat you don't want any garbage around. And just by that mere fact, you're not having a lot of plastic and a lot of um, bags and extra things. You know, it's just because you've got small confined space, but also we're, we're not into producing garbage. So a lot of that, and also with cleaning products, I mean, our best friends right now are, and always have been, it's baking soda, hydrogen peroxide, and Dawn yeah. detergent. If they're using it on birds, I'm sure it's gonna be fine for us. I haven't done any of the science on it, but. They used it to clean up the birds after the oil spills. So I'm with it now if I can find something else, which I probably will replace at one point, but we've upped the ante with the hydrogen peroxide and baking soda. It does a, a miracle with so much stuff. So yeah, you don't uh, need all those spray bottles. You just have one spray bottle. You can put like put a mixture in there, spray it on things. We use just water and microfiber cloths, even though the microfiber technically is a plastic, you know, synthetic cloth. But I mean, we've had ours for almost 20 years. Um, yeah. And we use, after a study came out showing that they get rid of the exact same amount of bacteria and germs and, you know, viruses and pathogens that um, bleach does. And so they started using it at my university where I'm doing my PhD. Um, after the study was published. And so they use, you know, blue cloths for the bathroom, green cloths for the kitchen, red cloths for like other surface areas, just so like the perception of contamination. But it's wonderful because it's just water and that cloth, and then you throw it in the washing machine afterwards and they last forever. Um, and so, you know, that's what we use. And anytime we want something that smells good, like sometimes we'll use lemon or we'll use like some rosemary and lemon water or something like that and spray and use that to spray if we really need that scent. Um, or maybe some a few aromatherapy oils that are not too, um, too potent. Yeah, so that's wonderful that you're doing that. That's incredible. You can write a book about this, Marina, all the steps that another year. Yeah, maybe I should probably do something because it's, uh, yeah, so it's all good. And the other one, this one I just ran across the other day through CEO, another CEO activator actually who is um a biochemist and she lost her husband to cancer 
so I was just reading her story a bit later and I'll be seeing her tonight, but she gifted me uh, her product, which is, uh, it's a detoxifying deodorant. Awesome. That's What's all, the name that's 100% organic. And it's a very elegant product. And uh, we should put a link in the, in the thing because she will be coming out with more products. She's very conscious about this. And it's all about um, the average, the things that we're using on a day-to-day basis without the nasty chemicals. And they're good for your body. And that actually will do other things like detoxify. So I'm using this and I just read the instructions. Uh, I've had it for, you know, for about a week and I've been using it, but it says put it on at night as well because it's actually helping to detoxify your body. So use it twice a day. So I'm going to hold up the beautiful bottle because it's such a beautiful bottle. I know you showed it to me earlier. Well, this is the outer case. I mean, isn't it beautiful? That's the packaging on the outside. And then here's the actual product. And it's just beautifully. So beautiful. It's called Nula. Nula, right? Or Nala. Yeah. And she's she's very community oriented as well. So I'm going to learn a lot more about her as, you know, as a CEO colleague. So. Um, that's great. Um, and there's another one of our companies called Nada. And Nada is uh, a zero waste grocery store. I and love so they're, Nada. Yeah, they're in Vancouver on uh, West Broadway near Fraser. And they're actually, surprisingly, not a grocery store, but they're a technology company. And that's yeah. their pilot project. So if anybody wants to open up a, uh, a zero waste store, you should talk to them about the technology that they're using instead of trying to create your own. And that's what they're very much about. And they're very much about community within the stores, just like you are with Green Mustache Cafe. It's very much about community as well. So it's not us. So there's some great alternatives out there and they're easy. They're not so easy to find. I'm getting exposed to a lot of them because of CEO. And I'm going to start sharing a lot more of them on my own Facebook timeline. But um, there's, they're, they're out there and, you know, and there's people that are innovative and creating and they need to be supported, you know, like try their products, um, seek them out, uh, support them and share, 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 because that's what's going to help them thrive and survive. And, and we need people like this that make these products. And love, yeah. And I love the, uh, it's Nada, right? Nada? Yeah, Nada. Yeah. You go there, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And I love her store because of the fact that she was a marine biologist and, you know, she's young and vibrant and she spent so much time, you know, as a scientist studying what was happening in our oceans and saw the amount of plastics and how devastating that was um, to the ocean life, to our water systems, to our endocrine system and how that disrupts and produces estrogen buildup in our body, how, you know, we, we now fish are consuming more plastic particles and they are actually consuming plankton and so they're of course you know lower on the food chain and so as we go to consume them so you know we have the tunas that are eating like the smaller fish that eat the smaller fish that eat the sardines and that eat the mackerel and all of that so all of that bio accumulates in their system and then we eat that so we're predominantly just eating more plastic than we are eating fish um and so that's a really big problem as well. So please, everybody will put the link down to Nada as well. And you can check it out if you're ever in Vancouver. I'm sure they're going to have stores all across the world at one point um, in the future. And they'll help you set it up as well. Um, so now you're making all of these beautiful changes. And how do you feel now? How are you feeling today? I'm, I'm getting better all the time. I, you know, as I said, I'm having some challenges with uh, detoxifying the radiation. So um, I have some side effects from that, but I'm dealing with, and one of them uh, ended up in a very nasty sinus infection. So I'm just recovering from that. Um, and that took six weeks. Right. But it's all got to do with how, you know, the radiation and your system dries out and you become more susceptible to things because your immune system's broken. 
And so I have to be a lot more careful. So the more uh, I have to watch my energy, I have to make sure I get my rest and I have to make sure that I'm eating properly and supplementing properly. So it's like getting through that. Um, I probably went down harder than most people would and literally couldn't function. So uh, now I'm, now I'm getting my energy back and I'm really, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, I feel better every day. I've got more energy every day, but it's all about eating for my DNA. And, and basically now the next step is taking more on like more ways of detoxifying and more ways of uh, supporting my immune system, you know, making some fermented foods myself. Uh, kombucha is not your answer. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> just pop in disguise. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of people too, like if you're not healthy, like a lot of people love to gravitate to these one answer solutions. So they're like, I drink four liters of kombucha a day, but it doesn't work that way. Sure, you know what, have the kombucha if you already have switched to that beautiful, abundant, you know, plant-based whole food diet, you've had the DNA test, you are eating for your, um, you know, DNA type, you have, you know, considered ways to detoxify, you've detoxified your home, you've detoxified your mind, right? Like you are managing the stress, doing all of that. And then, you know what, have a couple glasses of kombucha every once in a while. It doesn't need to be, um, you're not going to reverse your cancer by drinking liters of kombucha um, at the end of the day. And especially when you need to redirect the biome, because everybody wants a kombucha because it's fermented. But the thing is, is to build your microbiome, you need a diversity of um, fibers and microfibers and insoluble plant-based fibers that only come from eating food. Like you need to use your jaw and your teeth and, you know, you need to use your juicer and you need to do all of that, but you need to chew that food and get that insoluble plant-based fiber into your large intestine, which then goes on to feed the entire microbiome. And that's how you rebuild your entire microbiome, which is so important. And for sure, when you have a weakened system, the probiotics are going to help. Some fermented food are going to, some fermented foods are going to help, but you know, people need to understand you have to put that, it's hard work. Would you agree? Yeah, and you've got to be, you know, you can't just all of a sudden go on this, this jag. So what I did is I I'm trying to integrate and I, get, and, I, and I get on it and I get off and I get on it and I get off. And one of them is miso. So if I'm going to have some soup, a bowl of soup, well, I can throw a teaspoon or a tablespoon of miso in there. Yeah. And there, that's one step. And that's so just, that, that's one of my tricks. It's sort of, if I'm having a hot beverage, uh, like a hot, like some soup or whatever, I'll just take the miso and put it in my version, my portion of it instead of the whole bowl. Um, yeah. You know, I made some uh, pickled onions without sugar that are fabulous. So I can throw those in a salad. Um, you know, so it's just sort of, and I need to, I, I'm, I'm looking for more that I can just sort of incorporate into my daily uh, routine that I actually like and will use and that John will eat as well. So it's just sort of that incorporating as you go. And it's, as I say, it's not going to happen overnight and you got to do it for things that you like instead of you're trying to force yourself to like, otherwise you won't stick with it. And um, read labels like kombucha has got a label on it and sugar's right up there. It's one of the top ingredients um, that feeds, that just feeds cancers and all kinds of other chronic illness. You know, it's just sort of, that you've just got to be wise. If it's got a label, really read it and stay away from labels. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and staying away from the labels is so important. And it is, you know, we serve kombucha at our restaurant, but the reason I love serving spark kombucha and people will notice that when they do drink it, it's not sweet like the stuff that you get on the grocery store shelf. Right. And that's because 
be actively is like trying to put just enough sugar that the bacteria will eat so it'll grow. But then a lot of the kombucha companies, what they do, because it tastes a bit bitter, they'll go in and add extra sugar into it really? after it's been fermented. And now the bacteria are no longer there to eat the and ferment further that additional sugar. So you need to, so the bacteria are taking the sugar and the glucose and then they're exchanging it and then they create all these other byproducts of it. That's wonderful. So um, please, you do need to know as well who's making your kombucha, which is really good or any other product that's out there because yeah. a lot of people think just because it says healthy or just because it says fermented or just because it says it has turmeric in it, that it's going to be healthy, but it's important to understand. So the easiest way for my clients is when I say no label, you're good to go. Or if the label has one ingredient, then you're good to go. Um, but make sure that you know, like if it has natural flavors, if it, you know, if it needs to be labeled healthy, then chances are it's probably not healthy for you. Yes. So stick to the food that mother nature has created and provided. So I could probably talk to you for like a gazillion years. I know. Um, and we're going to have to do another podcast soon, but what, how I'd like to wrap up and bring this to a close is, you know, what would you say to, you know, a, a person, a woman, anybody who's being diagnosed and going through that right now, what are just three bits of advice that you could give them? You've already given so much information, but, you know, just in those early stages um, when it's just happening at the very beginning and, and on three pieces of advice. And then one thing that you would have loved to have heard from somebody to um, support you on your journey, because people say all sorts of things when people get diagnosed. Um, okay, the, the three pieces of advice is one, you've got to really listen to your body. You've really got to pay attention. Two, you have to be the advocate for yourself. And, you know, the, unfortunately, a lot of people take, um, uh, they look at their physicians and their practitioners as, as gods. They're not. They're human beings, just like you and me. And they actually, they're very smart people. That's how they got there. They want you to ask some questions Do There is no questions too stupid. Um, and so be, be aware of that. And if you've got a question and somebody puts you down for it, they're the, they're the ones that are wrong, not you. Um, and three, you know what, self-care, you've just got to really be kind to yourself. And if you're feeling really emotional or something, it's very hard to slow down. It is, I've been there. It's very hard to slow yourself down and go, I need to calm down. It's like, yeah, how can I calm down? Like I'm facing this, like, no, you know, and that's like, whatever. Uh, you just really need to, whatever it is that self-care looks like for you, if it gets you in your happy place, if it's going to the beach, go there. If it's, uh, you know, maybe it's going to the casino and listening to those machines. I don't know. Like whatever it is, whatever your your happy and your calm is and your zone is, you just go find some, some place there. Um, if anybody could support me in my journey, it's, um, I don't know, because I, I really wasn't that vocal about it until I sort of was well in and... And I have a very, I've got a big team of, of people that work with me uh, in my network marketing business. So I did share with them and they were all supported just by being loving and just carrying on and making my life easy and carrying on. So I didn't have to worry about my business and I didn't have to. So those kind of people and those kind of things, just keep it, things as normal as you can, because I don't want anybody going, oh, you poor thing. No, see it in some people's like, oh, and then you see the ones that strike fear and the ones that struck fear actually ran and got mammograms, which I'm going, okay, I'm good for that. <laughs> so the fear got you there. Good. And then they shared. And so they got more people to get tested. And so that's all good. Um, 
you know, your partner's a big part of it. And the one thing that I can say is going through the BC Cancer Program is they check in with you every time you walk into that building about are you being supported? Are you okay at home? Are you getting the help and support that you need? And that's a big question because a lot of people don't. A lot of women don't. And a lot of women actually get abused going through this. So if that's one of you, go. They've got all the support there. Find somebody, find somewhere, get the support because it's there. And you've got enough of a battle without having somebody be tough on you. Um, you know, it's easy for me to say, I, I've got the dream guy. Like, it was amazing. He just, uh, he's been incredible and patient and supportive and just really took great care of me without coming in every day and going, are you okay? So I, it allowed me to be do what I needed to do and to be as normal as I could be when I could. So it's, um, yeah, that self-care is a biggie. You've got to take care of yourself. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for this time and that you have spent with us today, sharing your story, your healing journey. Um, you truly are a healing hero. You mean you've checked all the boxes right there. We're gonna be putting this all into um, point form with providing the links below and providing the additional information. Um, is there a place where people can get to know you more? Is it Facebook? Is it What's a good way for people to get to know you? Start with Facebook. I'm starting to, to launch, you know, ramp up my LinkedIn again, but definitely my Facebook timeline is, is where I live. Okay. Um, and, you know, I might be bouncing over to, to Instagram, but I'll announce that on Facebook anyway. So it's just Marina Jokas. That's, that's it. So okay. um, it's Amazing. easy to, we'll easy that to down there as well. Yeah. And if somebody wants to message me and they want, and they want to connect and they want to have a chat, I'm, I'm totally open to that by all means. We need to share and help each other. We do need to share these stories are, you know, life changing for people because all it takes is, you know, one story like yours and somebody hears it and then, you know, they go get their DNA tested and all of a sudden that's, you know, takes them up this trajectory of health, which is so important. So, and not everybody wants to share their story. So many people, when they've been diagnosed with something, they've gone through that, um, their own healing journey, they just want to like put it behind them and then move forward, which I completely understand, but you have gone through in such a short period of time, so much learning. And for some people in a lifetime, they'll never even come across information like what you've provided just in an hour of oh. chatting with us, hour and a half of chatting with us. So thank you very, very much. Um, I so deeply grateful um, for the work that you've done to get yourself to here. And I can't wait to stay connected and just seeing where this healing journey takes you. I'm definite that it's gonna help so many people in this world as well as yourself. Perfect. I hope so. And Nicolette, thank you because you were the one that really helped you between you and Sherry Strong really helped kick me off to that extra level that, 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 that I needed to go to and I need to go another level. So it's just bit by bit. And so thank you for, for everything you've done and Sherry Strong for everything she's done and Lois Naherney and DNA testing. And I'm happy to talk to anybody about DNA testing and even share reports because it's really quite, they're really quite um, extensive and extremely helpful. Amazing. Yeah, I went through her book and yeah, it is incredible um, the insight that it provides and how it makes you just think very differently about um, your whole environment and your kitchen and your fridge and the grocery store. And so, I mean, just that alone can be such a um, launching pad into, you know, asking further questions and, and doing what's right for your body. And a lot of it too, I realized with that is that it 
triggers your intuition. You're like, oh yeah, I kind of knew that wasn't good for me. And that that didn't work with my body. And then just to have it confirmed, which is is pretty interesting. And anything we do and we investigate our bodies further, whether it's mindfulness and meditation or yoga to see how deep your body can stretch, um, you know, and how breathing can like go deep within the body and help and open up so much. I mean, it's the same way with the DNA um, testing as well. It's just a deeper dive into the world of food and it's something we do three times a day plus all the snacks and the beverages and so getting a better understanding and hold on that it's it's really powerful which is probably why she's called dna power which is yeah. um and for her business well i wish you well in your healing journey ahead and i look forward to connecting with you again i'm sure we're going to do a podcast within a year from now um, as i, I want to dive in and learn more from you perfect thanks nicolette Thank you, and I wish you a wonderful, healthy, amazing day, and continue to eat real to heal. Thanks. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Marina Giocas, and please let us know what you thought of it. Let us know if it inspired you, if there's parts in there that you didn't agree with. We want to hear it all. And also, if you're someone who has a healing hero story, a journey of taking your health into your own hands, please reach out to us at info at richerhealth.ca and let us know of your story of reversing your cancer or chronic disease, particularly if you used food as medicine. But of course, we're open to any which way that you did that. So please reach out to us. We'd love to interview you for our podcast. We have a lineup for all of 2019. So we are looking at 2020 right now, but um, there's always an opportunity to tell your story in so many other ways. So one of the things you might've noticed from this podcast is that Marina is a huge fan of DNA testing for health and wellness and how to work with our bodies by supplying it with nutrition, vitamins, supplements and fitness and of course by eliminating and shifting the stress in your life now marina's story is not entirely unique because we are in a time now which is very exciting where more and more people are rising up they're doing research not just on google but actually on google scholar where they're finding ways to access journal articles that have been peer-reviewed that have minimal bias to it and as well now we're in a time where more and more scientists are making journal articles that were previously that you would have had to pay for a subscription to be able to access them but now we have all of these wonderful scientists around the world that are making the research open source which means that you don't actually have to pay to be able to get access to the studies another way to get access to science out there that is restrictive for uh, to the commoners is to also just email the researchers themselves often they'll have contact information you can find them online and they'll just send you a pdf and you won't have to pay for it that way so at the end of the day we believe in open source research and we also believe that you know a lot of these people are doing the research and we understand the need to have people pay for them because that's what allows them to fund their journal articles. So it's a catch 22, but at the end of the day, you need to get access if you really want to make a good decision for you and for your health and for deciding on what path you're going to take to reverse your chronic disease or cancer. So thanks for being with us. Another announcement that I want to share with you 
is that we only have a few spots left for our Hollyhock retreat. So go to our website at richerhealth.ca. You'll see a pop-up box for the Hollyhock retreat. It's going to be five fabulous days on Cortez Island in gorgeous British Columbia. This island is magical. The moment you step onto it, it's like all the stress of the world melts off your shoulders. And we're going to be spending five incredible days there together where I teach you how to do the Gerson therapy, how to use food as medicine to reverse your diseases. So we're talking about regenerative medicine, which is not the kind of medicine that most people ever do because they're always trying all of these, you know, gimmicky therapies that work temporarily, but have nothing to do with actually making a lifestyle change that would actually prompt your body into a re- to be in a regenerative state. So we're talking about regenerating organs, regenerating tissue, fully detoxifying, um, it's stimulating the body to heal itself so that the body can do what it's naturally designed to do, which is repair itself, reverse disease, um, fix broken bones, all of those sorts of things. <clears throat> so this um, program is truly for anybody who has any type of chronic disease or who hasn't been diagnosed yet, but knows that you know they're coming up to a point in their life where chronic disease tends to set in. And what you could do is you could put that at bay. You can ward it off for decades and decades to come when you make the lifestyle changes that we're going to be teaching at that Hollyhock retreat. So sign up today, only a few spots left. Um, It's going to be a wonderful, intimate group. I think we're not accepting any more than 15 people and we probably have about 12 people registered now or 13 people registered now. So snag up those last two spots because we'd love to spend a gorgeous week with you on Cortez Island at the Hollyhock Retreat Center. Bye for now and stay tuned for our next podcast.